Number one, help me learn how to forgive someone who has hurt me. Number two, how do I interact with family who picks on me for being a Christian and more coming up on Ask. Hey, welcome once again to Ask, where you give us questions and I, Pastor Jamie, answer them. So these can be questions about life, the Bible, your faith, really anything uh, under the sun, right? So uh, we need your questions. So go to cornerstonebv.org, click media, uh, then you'll click ask and you can leave your question and drop down. You can leave your name, don't leave your name, all right? So, all right, we got a few good, really good questions for this week, so let's get into them. First, am I a hypocrite? Jesus forgave my sins in the most epic way, yet even as a Christian believer, I can't seem to find a way to forgive certain people and situations that have severely hurt me and caused me trauma in my life. I know I should and I want to, but I just can't. So first of all, I would not call yourself a hypocrite. I think um, you're, you're being too hard on yourself. If you demand other people forgive you in certain situations, uh, but then you refuse to do it yourself, then you're a hypocrite, all right? Um, many people struggle with, struggle with forgiving uh, others who have caused them severe trauma, right? And I'm glad you're wrestling with it, though. It, it would not be good if you just took the attitude that some take that, that that person doesn't deserve forgiveness at all, forget about it, right? That's not good. But instead, you want to obey God, but are just struggling because it's really, really hard. So we can work with that, but more accurately, uh, God will work with that. So first, okay, let's make sure um, we truly understand what forgiveness is and is not. To forgive your abuser, you are not expected to dismiss the hurt that it has caused you. That is real and hurting over someone's actions is not being sinful, it's simply being human. Forgiving your abuser is also not trusting him or her again, right? Not necessarily. The trust is something earned, and at times it is wise to just not trust someone. So therefore, forgiving your abuser, abuser means you no longer hold their guilt over their head. Instead, you recognize that God is the person's judge, right? He will either justly judge the person for all eternity, or Christ was judged in the person's place if they are or eventually become a Christian. But you steadfastly refuse to be their judge. You let it go and let God be God. So, if you see the person again, or even think about them, and you feel hurt, or you feel shame, or other emotions, um, that does not necessarily mean you haven't forgiven him or her. But if you feel great anger, and you want to hurt the person, or you would love to see them get theirs, get hurt, then yes, you still haven't yet forgiven that person, and you need to. So how? Well, prayer is so key. Ask God to help you to let go of judging the person. Ask him to give you the grace and mercy to not hold their sin against them. Something else uh, you can do is write the person a letter. Explain the hurt that uh, that abuse has caused you, but then uh, write that you have forgiven them. You do not hold their sin against them anymore. So if the person is no longer alive or you can't get a hold of that person, then write it and then leave it at a cemetery plot or burn it or let someone uh, you trust read it and get rid of it. See, just, just this action can help you kind of cement the decision to forgive because you need that to, to remember. Forgiveness is not a feeling, but it's a choice. That's why you'll probably need to forgive the abuser over and over. Every time the anger kind of creeps back up in your mind or, or heart, you'll need to forgive the person all over again. And that is perfectly normal, okay? Second question, Pastor Jamie, yes. What do you say to someone having difficulty interacting with their family, not immediate, 
who aren't believers or Christians, right? It's it's extremely difficult to want to stay engaged with them when they make comments about being a believer and, and, and even compare it to being in a cult or being brainwashed. Doesn't really make you want to block off your calendar for them, does it? <laughs> no, no, it does not. First of all, have you tried dialoguing with them about it in a good, healthy way? When they say something so cliche, hear it all the time, like it's a cult or you are brainwashed, do you ever ask them, what do they mean by that? Now put it on them. Say, in what way do you think I'm being brainwashed? Why is it that you think I belong to a cult, do you think? Be specific. Um, and then ask them, do you think I'm not thinking for myself or that I can't get out of this if I want? And see what they say. See, this forces them to go deeper than cliches and enter into conversation, which they'll probably try to avoid, but you never know, right? So then you can also ask them something like this. When they, when they think it means belonging to a church, what they think it means belonging to a church or being a Christian, ask them that. And, and maybe you'll get a good gospel conversation going. At the very least, you might gain a little bit of more of their respect if they're at all open-minded. If none of that works, well, then you, you should compare being a Christian to any other conviction any person might have. Everyone has a worldview. So anyone who has any kind of worldview, whether it's religious, philosophical, political, ultimately has a set of convictions and beliefs that others might disagree with, right? Everyone has that. So ask the family member if all of those things are being part of a cult or brainwashed, political, religious, philosophical. Um, and if not, why are they being so hard on Christianity? If they're having a hard time answering this, it's a good time to lovingly ask them, why are you so hard on the Christian faith? Like, what is it inside of you that causes you to judge Christians more harshly than other worldviews? And if all of this does not work, then you are more than free to ask them to just simply not make statements like that. Hey, we can talk about other things when we get together, but I, I do want to ask you to not insult me like that because it's hurtful, right? And finally, lastly, if they refuse to do that, even that simple thing, then you absolutely have the right to not spend time with them. Just tell them it's not out of anger, it's not hatred, but it's simply not enjoyable to be with someone who, you know, who think, who kind of disparages something that's so important to me, right? So that would be the progression I would give you. Lastly, to have the title of pastor and lead a church, do you need formal training like seminary? Or can anyone call themselves a pastor and lead a church? Well, the term pastor is one of the few, one of few titles in the New Testament kind of used to describe the leaders of a local church, right? We see terms like elder, overseer as well. Um, the term pastor is describing kind of some aspects of that position. And it really, it's referring to shepherding people. That's what pastors do. So when a church leader sits with someone and listens and offers compassion and good biblical counseling, he is pastoring, right? When he preaches and teaches accurately biblical, accurate biblical truth, then he's feeding the sheep God's word, right? When he's showing a person in the church uh, the way to go, right, that is right and follows Christ, both in word and by example, by the way, then he is leading the sheep the right way. So who can be a pastor? Well, a person who is affirmed by a local church to have the biblical qualifications that are mainly laid out in 1 Timothy and Titus, that if a congregation sees these qualities in a person and then they kind of validate him and, and, he, and, and he can become a pastor, elder, overseer of the local congregation, um, certainly he should sense the call of God in his own life as well. So, of course, years have gone by. 
And we have added devices meant to help these leaders be better pastors. So training like seminaries, as you mentioned, um, Bible colleges, these things can be very helpful to them, but they are not required to become a pastor. There are other ways a man can get the same kind of training when he is called by God to the position of pastor. But you want to be very, very careful um, before accepting such a position or who you affirm to be in that position in a local church. Um, all right, that is it for this week. So remember to submit your questions, cornerstonebv.org. We need them for upcoming episodes. And in the meantime, hopefully we'll see you uh, this weekend, Saturday at 5, Sunday 9 or 11, uh, and a lot of other events going on. we got our Easter services coming up the following week. So, man, a lot going on. So hopefully we will see you there, especially if you don't, you're in the area and don't have a church. We would love to at Cornerstone welcome you here. So uh, God bless you, and we will see you soon.